A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Kylie Camps, and welcome to the podcast. This space is dedicated entirely to making a difference in the lives of women. I believe we all have a right and a responsibility to truly live our best lives. It all begins with curiosity, changing our thinking and cultivating more self-love. Through thoughtful conversations and shared experiences, I really hope that you can take something away from this podcast. I'm a business owner, a speaker, a sleep consultant, and mum of twin boys. I've also recently completed some training in the cognitive behavioral therapy space, and I'm super, super passionate about the ability that we all have to really improve our days. And ultimately, when we take ownership of improving our days, we're really improving our whole life. So let's get stuck into today's episode. Welcome to today's episode. This podcast is the third and final for now installment of my work-life journey slash story, whatever you want to call it. I've talked you through a lot and I wanted to do this in a separate episode because I feel like it deserves its own episode where I speak with you about having made the decision, which I touch on in part two, from separating the Kind Parenting Company and also the Kylie Camps brand from one another just a little bit in order to take advantage and seize other opportunities with the Kylie Camps brand and to also make sure that the KPC can be a standalone company, which it's proving it can be. Of course, there are challenges with both (laughs) and I'm only one person, so I'm never going to get everything right and be able to do everything to 100%, but I'll keep trying. And so... Having my own brand, I guess, for lack of a better expression, it kind of feels a bit sticky saying that, like having your own brand, but I guess that's how you would describe it. It's got some amazing positives, but like everything in life, there are two ends of the stick and on one end it can be positive and then on the other end it can be a bit tricky as well. So I want to share with you both of those sides and I also want to answer some questions that have come through via Instagram about this space that I operate in now and I want to speak with you in this episode about what it is that I'm doing with my name and my platform I guess and some opportunities that have come up along the way and talk you through those because they are part of my work-life story as well. So where to begin? I growing up you know, social media wasn't a thing. So it was never a thing. It was never a known career goal to try and have a podcast or to influence in the online space. I was having a little laugh to myself the other day because I remembered after high school one day, my friend, her parents picked us up from school and they were listening to an audio tape on bird watching. And her and I were kind of in the back pulling faces at one another and just dying at how uncool it was that her parents were choosing to listen to an audio cassette. And 
it's funny because now I'm all about the audiobook. I love listening to an audiobook. And it's one of those moments in life when you realize, oh shit, I'm no longer the teenager in the backseat. I'm the parent in the front. <laughs> it really is one of those, oh yes, I'm in my 30s and I actually genuinely enjoy a good audiobook and also a podcast, which I feel like podcasts really are just another reiteration of what an audiobook is. So the concept has been around for a long time, but it's just a new platform, I guess. And so speaking of platforms, growing up, social media was not a thing. MySpace was the first social media platform that I used. And I can remember then hearing about Facebook for the first time ever. And it was actually with the same girlfriend who I just spoke about then. And it was in the context of she had met a guy on MySpace and he had said to her, you really should get Facebook. And her and I were like, eh, what's Facebook? You know, those little emojis with the arms up and the head kind of to the side, like, mm, I don't know. That was kind of us going, I, we don't know what Facebook is. So Facebook obviously now is huge and Instagram, I think for a lot of us is even bigger than Facebook. So I started having an Instagram account just as a personal page to share bits and bobs of my life after I'd obviously grasped Facebook and was using Facebook for a few years and then moved to Instagram. And I really enjoyed sharing on Instagram. I definitely cannot remember Instagram being as curated or having influences like it does now. It felt a bit more raw. It felt a bit more real in some aspects. And it was never, I never started at an account with an intention to be able to monetize it or grow a big following. I started growing a following when I got engaged and started sharing my journey of getting ready for the wedding which some of you might still follow along from back then. Occasionally I'll get a message from someone saying, oh, I remember when you were sharing workouts in your garage and your fitness journey and, you know, all of the wedding stuff. And so I never set out to go, oh, I want to be a blogger who shares about her wedding. It was just I was really excited about being engaged and I wanted to document things and also my fitness journey from you know, I'd recovered from an eating disorder, but I wanted to feel really good on my wedding day and all of that jazz. And I just naturally and organically picked up followers and it gained momentum and I would have a couple of thousand followers. And then when I got pregnant, sharing the pregnancy journey and I wasn't sharing the way that I share now. So Instagram stories weren't a thing. Snapchat wasn't as much of a thing that I can recall. I could be wrong timing wise, but for me it wasn't. So I was just sharing posts, you know, an image about, oh, I'm pregnant with twins and I'm feeling like this and I'm feeling like that and using hashtags and then I gained a few more followers, you know, a few more thousand followers probably. Then again, when I had the boys and so it just seems like every stage of life I was attracting more people to follow along and tune in that were aligned with whatever was happening in my life at that stage. So then it became predominantly, of course, because I had young babies and I was sharing that side of things. It became predominantly about parents. And then it just progressed from sharing bits and pieces to sharing even more. 
and then sharing that I had become a sleep consultant and that I was helping families. And so it just built and built and built and built. And now I certainly do not have the biggest following online. It's pretty common these days for people to have a similar amount of followers to what I have. Um, But one thing I will say, and this is just based off brands and companies that I've worked with and also the amount of direct messages I get, whilst I don't have millions of followers, I do have real, real followers, real mums who care and who I feel have taken some value from something that I've shared at some stage. And over the years, I've been able to really define what it is that I want to do with my work and not just my work with my life. And that is I want to make a difference. And I've spoken about this a lot. And so if I can make a difference, whether it be in a very small way, which might be sharing, you know, a $10 top that I found that makes a mum feel amazing, or whether it could be in a massive way of helping someone get up each day and get through a hard time in life. Whatever it is, if I can make a difference and I'm feeling fulfilled and like I'm living my purpose. So I amassed a bit of a following, real followers. And I was also using Snapchat for a couple of years quite consistently. Most mornings sitting down and doing a lengthy Snapchat, usually talking about parenting topics. And the amount of people that I would get saying, oh, I wish you could save your Snapchats really led me to think about having a podcast because I thought, oh, if people are asking to listen to more or wishing they could re-listen to my rambles, perhaps having a podcast could be a good platform. So the the podcast came around very authentically and very genuine for me and I find it to be probably the easiest platform to communicate on because I can just sit down and have a chat like I'm doing right now. So the podcast for me, again, I never set out and thought, oh, I want to have over half a million downloads or I want to reach whatever amount of downloads. It was just, I'm going to give this platform a try and see how it goes. I am fortunate enough that people do choose to listen And then I have a handful of brands that I work with who have come on board to help support the podcast. So some episodes are sponsored, which means that they pay to have an advertising spot at the front of a podcast. And sometimes they don't pay. (laughs) Sometimes I just do it because I genuinely love that brand and I've worked with them before and I appreciate the people behind the company and I want to share the message. Um, But it means that... I can continue to get my message out there and it also covers costs, costs of producing the podcast, the equipment, time, all of that stuff, taking time out from the business to do it, all of those things. So that is a question that I've had come through before is how how do you make money from a podcast? Is it based off listens? For me, this podcast doesn't make a lot of money at all but it makes a little bit through sponsored ads with brands that I already work with and I love. And speaking of those brands that I work with, there are, again, a very limited number of brands that I work with for sponsored content over on Instagram. So sponsored content is one of those things that some people are really against it and other people are indifferent and some people think it's great. 
it doesn't really matter where you fall on the spectrum, like whether you're pro or you're against it. The fact remains that these days for a business to get their brand out there, the best way to do it is to utilize the fact that everyone is on social media and that's how they can use like a massive megaphone to get their brand out there. And it can be a little investment for a big return and that return could be sales or that return could be followers becoming aware of the brand. There are so many different ways that influencer marketing can work. I am very, very strict with the companies that I do work with. Um, I only have a very small amount of companies and I always, always insist on using the product for an extended period of time before I consider recommending it. And if something doesn't align with my values, then I won't share it. And there has been a lot of companies that have reached out over the years and it just doesn't align, just does not align with the things that... I truly believe in, so I will always take alignment over money for sure. Um, But again, it just means that when, when you are doing sponsored content, it can seem like, oh, wow, that person's getting paid to take a photo and push that product. But really the value exchange is in the fact that that person has built a community hopefully if it's if they're successful at having a community that they've put lots of hours and love into replying to people providing them with valuable content and if you think about you know watching your favorite tv shows on tv and then having a tv ad break that's kind of how i think of influencer marketing um as long as it's done genuinely i don't have any problems with it at all i have also been lucky enough fortunate enough to connect with a couple of brands and work on products together. And so a couple that I wanted to touch on today are the Dish collaboration, the YCL collaboration, Emco, and then also working with Cotton on Body. So I have like a longstanding relationship with Dish and I want to share with you how that came about. I reached out to Dish years ago. I'm talking years and years and years ago because I've always worn their clothes. Back when I was a sales representative, I would always call into the dish stores when I would go to Carindale and Ipswich and where else? Pack Fair had a dish store. And I just would always leave there with something that I felt great in, but was also inexpensive. And I was wearing their camis for a long time and always having people online ask me, where did you get that tan cami or that white cami? And so I reached out to Dish and I said, look, I don't have a big following at all. I don't want you guys, like I'm not reaching out because I want anything from you other than to ask, would you provide me with a discount code to share with my following of mums who love these singlets? And I'm going to be really honest with you, Dish did not reply to me. I emailed them a couple of times and I don't think it was that they were trying to disregard me. It was probably just, you know, I didn't have a big following and I'm not really there. Probably I might not have been their target market at the time being that I was a mum with young kids and whatever it is, or maybe it was just one of those things that it got lost in the system. But a couple of times I reached out to them And I even had an email saying, look, you're not like, we don't really just give out discount codes and we're already full of influencers, but thanks so much. And so I was like, okay, fair. And I went ahead and I shared the chemis anyway. 
and I can't remember whether I put a swipe up or I just did a Snapchat about them or whatever it was. And they had so much traffic and so many sales that they sold out of camis when I shared them. And then, of course, because they'd, they had noticed that I'd posted and they'd gotten that traffic, then all of a sudden they were like, okay, you know what, perhaps we, perhaps we should actually have a conversation. We'd love to share a code with you. And it just went from there. And they're amazing. Dish are beautiful, beautiful women to work with. They're a company that are run by women. They, they're a really cool company. I love going into their head office and I love working with them. But I wanted to share that with you because it goes to show that just by being persistent and by doing what is the right thing, like I wasn't going to go, oh, well, they don't want to work with me or they're not going to give me a code, so I'm not going to share their thing. It's like, no, I, I freaking love this $30 singlet. And of course, if this $30 singlet makes me feel good, you know, maybe it'll make some other mums feel good. And so anyway, then over the space of a year, I continued to share bits and pieces that I would purchase from Dish. They would share codes with me. And then they came to me one year saying, and it wasn't last year, but the year before, how would you feel about creating a capsule sleepwear collection? And I was so excited, so, so excited to do that. And we've since now gone on fast forwarding to 2020, we've done three different sleepwear ranges and each time it has been so much fun. I would have to say the second sleep range that we did is my favorite if I had to choose. Um, But it's just, it's really enjoyable to be able to go, oh, you know what? It's exciting to be multi-passionate and fashion is something that I love. I am someone who loves to get dressed each day. And so it was a lot of fun to help choose colors and designs and create something that I really felt women could feel great in. Also, side note, if you hear any snoring, that's my dad's dog asleep at my feet. Um, But real life. So I've also done two uh, shirts with Dish, which I have probably gone in the wrong order. I did the shirts with Dish first and that was fun as well because I'm all about just a nice basic white shirt and we put the sleep logo on there at the time and that was fun. It's just cool to be able to go, oh, you know what, just seeing something that you've made being worn by someone else and hopefully that they feel really good in it is a really good feeling. And so I've also spoken at a couple of events for Dish as well, which have been fun. And what else was I going to speak about? Oh, so recently I did a collaboration with YCL. We created a necklace, the Align necklace, which I'm wearing right now. That came about, again, really genuinely because I love, 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 love what they're all about. And I was forever being asked who made the necklaces that I wear because I'm often wearing just a gold necklace. And again, it was like, you know what, people are continually asking me about this gold necklace. I wonder if YCL would be open to having a conversation about creating a piece together because I wanted to create something meaningful. And the Align necklace is so meaningful to me. It represents that duality that exists within all females between doing and being and also holding space for being feminine and also having the masculine side to us as well. I just love I love the Align necklace and I think there are a couple still available online and YCL do have Afterpay. But again, those collaborations with Dish and YCL have never been about making money. It was just going, oh my gosh, here's an opportunity to, I guess, cultivate some different skills 
growing up, I always thought that I wasn't creative. And even building this house, I was like, oh, I'm just not creative. But when you remove that label and that stigma and that story that you tell yourself, you realize that you actually do have the potential to be creative in so many different ways. And that's what those projects have been for me. They've been a real passion project. And then another exciting collaboration is the Emco Beauty Collab. And that is just wild to me. And if you've listened to part two of the trilogy, (laughs) you'll know why it's wild, that it's kind of come full circle and I'm working with Emco in this capacity. It has been such an honor to be able to create really, really affordable products for women. I, since, since I was young, I think being a flight attendant as well has always had me in the habit of waking up and getting ready each day. And I think that getting ready each day can come from a place of self-love and cosmetics and getting dressed each day. It doesn't have to be about seeking validation or approval from anyone else. It can be about taking a couple of minutes to honor yourself and express yourself and feel really good. And these products that I've been able to work on with Emco really um, encapsulate that message. And I just love that they are so affordable and so accessible to women nationwide and to see products with my name on them in Woolworths is freaking crazy and it's crazy to think that that opportunity has come up you know just from starting an Instagram page seven years ago sharing workouts and you could just never predict where things can go but it's just about doing what feels right in that moment sharing what feels right and being true to yourself and I feel like Emco really aligns with who I am as a brand Um, and yeah it's just been fun to express that creativity. I also a couple of years ago was approached by Cotton on Body and I've spoken about this before and I just wanted to touch on it Cotton on Body was one of the bigger brands that reached out to me and invited me to do kind of a national speaking thing and also to be part of a photo shoot. And I was very excited by that opportunity, but I definitely had some moments of wanting to talk myself out of it because the photo shoot was going to be with some well-known models and a well-known makeup artist. And just having one of those like, oh my gosh, I'm not a model moments and why me? And imposter syndrome is a real thing like you can have all of this wonderful stuff go on but kind of still feel like oh do I even deserve this am I worthy of it and I was definitely having that happen around that time but then I thought to myself if I say no to this then I'm not going to get any more exciting opportunities so I said yes to it and I took it with both hands and went for it And one of the things about being a parent is you realize that you are a role model whether you like it or not. So a big deciding factor in whether or not I take on opportunities is, is this something that I would want my boys to do in terms of like not necessarily pair up with Lorna Jane or Cotton on Body, but would I want them to talk themselves out of an opportunity because they didn't feel worthy or would I want them to take the plunge? And when you realize that you would want your kids to take the plunge, you have to kind of step up to the plate and hold yourself hold yourself accountable to that as well and go, okay, I'm going to do it. And that was a big moment for me because the moment I realized if I said yes to that, more opportunities would come my way, they really did. And so that was again when then Lorna Jane reached out and I was able to do a campaign with them too. And wild, like just wild as someone who has shopped in Lorna Jane then walking in the door 
and seeing posters of yourself in the store was very um, exciting. It was exciting to be part of that too. So there are a couple of brands that I have worked with in different capacities and when I say different capacities, some of them bring in a little bit of income and some of them none at all. You know, Lorna Jane and Cotton on Body, they were definitely were not bringing in any money, but it was more just an exciting opportunity. Um, what else? Also with having the podcast now, I can honestly say, and maybe it's not just having the podcast, but it's also where I'm at in life is realising that I can have that side of me that gets to work on those fun creative projects but I also want to do more and I want to leave more of a lasting impact and like I said I think that it's probably more reflective of where I am at in life in terms of going through a really really hard stage. It does hold a mirror to what you want to be and who you want to be and who is the real you and what's really important And I love the fun side of getting to work with brands and I embrace that fully. But the other side is I also acknowledge that I really want to be able to have as many impactful conversations and provide as much value as I possibly can that could make a really positive difference to women listening out there. And so it's thinking bigger than just myself and that's something that's on my mind. And I've got some exciting plans as well for that space. So that's something that I am actively working on. But a few things that I wanted to share with you are some lessons that I've learnt over the years of wearing a couple of different hats in terms of studying at times, having a business, then creating a personal brand and, you know, events as well. I haven't even touched on that. Holding events is so fun. I will say as someone who identifies as an introvert, I do find them exhausting, but I feel like events make a big difference. Getting a lot of women together in a space and having vulnerable conversations, it's it's powerful and I feel like it is life-changing. So I definitely want to continue holding events as well. So I've made a little bit of a list of things that I wanted to share with you that I have learned along the way. So I'll shoot through that list and then I'll finish up this episode by answering a couple of questions that have come through on the gram. Firstly, I think it's important to know that you can't do it all sometimes. There are seasons in your life when you just have to focus on what is most important. For example, if you have newborn, if you have a newborn or newborns, This season in your life might not be the time to start a business. And I know it can seem like everyone is doing it, but it might just not be the right time for you. You don't have to do everything all at once. Um, The next thing is when you are working for yourself or just in life, not even about work, but having a hit list of the most important tasks that you want to get through is really, really good for productivity. So I will often the night before just jot out five things that I need to nail the next day. And I just try and keep that list short and succinct because if I write down the 40 things that I need to do, I might be overwhelmed and never start. But if I at least write five things that I will feel good about achieving, then I know I'm off to a good start. 
It's also really important. This is the biggest one and I've shared this before, but just in case there are any first time listeners, thank you for sticking through. Um, It's so important to define success for yourself. We all have an understanding or a belief surrounding what success is that could stem from childhood and whether or not you identify, like whether or not you actively think, oh, success equals X, Y, Z, or you don't give it much thought. We all have that belief sitting dormant in the back of our mind somewhere. And if your life season cannot align with that belief, you run the risk of feeling unfulfilled. And an example that I'll give of this is, If you have a deep-seated belief that success is making a certain amount of money or climbing a corporate ladder or being promoted at work and then you find yourself as a new mum but you've not recalibrated or redefined what success is, you're going to end up feeling unsuccessful when really you could be doing some of the most important work of your life. And simply just by reframing and going, okay, for this season, for this chapter, even as small as for today – What does success look like for me today? Is it just getting through the day? Is it having a shower on my own? Is success, whatever it is, no one's definition of success needs to be bound to your belief on what success is. So define success for yourself. Another example of this is I could have had a much bigger business but my goal was always to be with the kids as much as possible when they were younger. So I don't look back on things and go, oh man, I should have taken it, you know, taken advantage of that opportunity or I should have done Facebook ads or whatever it could be. I never look back and think, oh, bummer, because everything I was doing was aligned with what felt like success to me at that stage. And so define success for yourself now and don't be afraid to redefine. Another thing that I have on my list here is a little tidbit that I've taken from a Tim Ferriss podcast and he took it from someone else. I can't remember who it was, but it was a person that shared with him something that he recommends people who want to have a business or people who want to be entrepreneurs do is to get comfortable in being uncomfortable. And one way to do this is to set yourself a challenge of every time you order a coffee or a smoothie or a juice or whatever it is, is to just ask for a discount on it. And you can't say I'm doing and I'm, like I'm doing a little challenge here or you can't preface it. Like you can't, you know, you can't soften it. You just have to say, I was wondering, could I have a 10% discount on this coffee, please? And it's just one of those things that makes you uncomfortable doing it, but it will serve you so well if you want to go on to have a business because you're going to have to have so many uncomfortable conversations throughout that process of having a business. It's also important to keep in mind that everything is fixable. You know, there are going to be things along the way that go wrong and there are going to be times where there are ebbs and flows, but everything can be fixed. Um, Something that Chrissy from Her Nourished and Her Nourished Kids shared is about how she had a spelling error on the front cover of one of her books. Errors are going to happen. I had and probably still have spelling errors in our programs as well. But if I wanted to do everything 100% perfect, then nothing would get done. And so you just have to surrender that at some stage there are going to be little mistakes that get through the gaps when you are trying to grow a business or whatever it is that you're up to in life. 
you also don't have to be the most intelligent person. You just have to be willing to learn and be open. I think that's really important. Also knowing what your purpose is or what the message, I guess, just having that core value, that core belief on what you're trying to achieve can be so helpful. And it doesn't have to be super specific. Like I said, mine is making a difference. And that is a huge broad term. So making a difference for me can be creating a really inexpensive concealer that I love. It could be giving a mum an extra tight squeeze at an event because you can see in their eyes that they're having a hard time or it's just going a little bit further and learning more on different topics. There are so many different ways you can make a difference. So it doesn't have to be that you have one sole purpose such as, you know, something very specific. It can be broad, but having that broad definition can be helpful in pulling you back to reality and knowing what it is that you want to achieve. I also think that balance is one of those things that just you have to define for yourself. I personally don't know if the perfect balance exists, but you can work out your own balance that feels right for you and you can lean towards the most important things. But to do that, you need to know what is most important. So getting really, really clear on what is most important is important. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I hope that this little chat has been helpful for you in terms of I I guess just taking a moment to speak about the other things that are important to me and that I try and share online as well. So I'm going to answer some of the questions that have come through before I wrap up this podcast. Question one is, do you now feel pressure to only do, say, and post things that are on brand? Well, I guess like the Kylie Kemp's brand side of things is just me. So if it doesn't align with me, then I will not post Uh, you could offer me a massive amount of money and I would say no because it's not worth it to me. So I don't feel pressure from anyone um, other than myself to try and stay as authentic as possible. Next one is where did the KPC idea come from and how did I know it was right for me? Jump over to part two if you've not listened to that because I speak about that there. Question three, what have you studied? So I have studied infant sleep consultancy, happiest baby educator, and I've also done a short course in cognitive behavioral therapy um, amongst a, a couple of other online courses as well. What are your next question? What are your future business plans and goals? I want the Kind Parenting Company to continue standing on its own and I want to put more love into it. Like I said, I have so many things that I want to do, but I also acknowledge that I'm one person who has two young kids and I'm just doing my best. So I want the Kind Parenting Company to keep growing and keep providing value. For me, I want to make a really positive impact in the space that I have. So with the podcast, I want to be able to have conversations that are really, really helpful to women and keep providing thought-provoking content. Um, other than that, that they're my short-term goals. I do have some longer-term goals, but I'm not going to go into them in this episode. What else? Um, do you think it would be harder to grow a following now? Yes, 
I do think it would be harder to grow a following now than it was seven years ago just because it's a saturated market. But I guess then if you were really passionate about growing a following, there are different opportunities. You know, you can be part of a giveaway. You can team up with other people that have followings as well. I think that if your main goal is to grow a following, it's going to be hard. Your goal should be to provide value. If that's your goal, then over time you will grow a following. Um, But yeah, I do think it would be a little bit trickier now. Next question is, what would be your first major tip of where to start? I'm not sure. Um, It's hard when the questions are so short because you can't get a lot of context with it. Where to start would be similar to my last response, which is if you want to start a business, I think that having social media is really powerful um, and just be really genuine and provide as much value as you possibly can. Next question is, do you plan on always working in this space and just seeing where it takes you? I am definitely open to seeing where it takes me, but no, I don't plan on always working in this space. And that's where my longer term goals come into things. There are a couple of projects that are in the works as we speak that I'm not going to speak about now, but they are more to do with my five, 10 year plan because I don't see myself always operating in this space. And I'm also aware that, you know, this space, it's kind of like building a sandcastle on the beach. You know, if this platform was wiped out from under me, where would you be type of thing? So no, it is not my forever plan. But they were probably the main gist of the questions that have come through Um, another one was, do you get in contact with brands to work with or do they contact you? To begin with, I got in contact with brands. I chose brands that I wanted to work with and I reached out to them. So for example, you will have noticed that I work with Esme. I love them. I think they actually may have reached out to me. Neutral Organics, I reached out to them. I came across them. Another mum recommended them when one of the boys was in hospital with glandular fever And I just love them. All of the brands I work with, I have genuinely been able to connect with the people behind the brands and also understand and support their mission and genuinely love their products. Um, So yeah, hopefully that is helpful for you. But there are lots of things that I want to do. I have a big hit list of things I want to do. And it's, again, just taking my own advice of going, you know what, you don't have to do everything at once and focusing on for lack of a better expression, the lowest hanging fruit. So I hope that you've enjoyed this episode and getting to know me a little bit more. I would love, love, love it if you take a screenshot, pop it up on your Instagram stories, tag me at Kylie Camp so I can repost on my stories as well. And thank you for choosing to listen to the podcast. I truly appreciate it. Subtle results, still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. 
Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eden syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.